We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Well, hey there. We're back at it, rolling once again. ID Nation Sports Talk, along with Vince D'Addario. I'm Sean Steyers. Glad to have you with us here today. Quick reminder, once again, as always, don't forget to throw us a like on the YouTube page. And if you're listening on the audio podcast platform, subscribe, rate, comment, all those fun things that help us out here at Irish Breakdown to, uh, you know, help get the word out. How are you doing today, Vince? I'm fantastic, and I was a little jealous of you yesterday wearing the throwback jersey, so I dug into the archives. I got my Paul Maneri-era baseball jersey on today. I saw that. Still fits. Got it when I was in college. Feeling real good about that one. And uh, so, yeah, I had to dust it off. It's got the the shamrock on the side. This was uh, my very first eBay purchase when I was in college. So Was it? Yeah, it was. I that looks it. good. Yeah. I wonder if like a former player sold that on eBay or something. That's a that good question. Be- There's no number on the back. So, I mean, it, it, but it was, I remember, I don't know why I remember yeah, this. It was, it was $40 and it was the best purchase that I've ever made. So I want to say one of the first times we met, you were wearing that Jersey. I, I remember that from way back when. That may be true. Actually, yeah. now that you mentioned it. Yeah. Looks good though. Looks good. I've just got That's my right. Alma mater Jayhawk t-shirt on today. So see see how many anti-Jayhawks I can tick off. But hey, we're the national <laughs> champs for, you know, what? At least nine more months. We'll see how That's it goes, right. I guess. Good call. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, this is the third week of the podcast as we continue to roll this thing along. IB Nation Sports Talk. And uh, before we get to our main topic today, I had something, you know, kind of, I don't know off topic, but this is a podcast. So I had a question for you. And okay. I've been thinking about this for a little bit. When you're driving around in your car, Vince, yep. do you listen more to music or to podcasts? You know, it's funny that you would ask that because you and I go back a long way. And right? it is par for our relationship that you make fun of me for not really knowing music <laughs> that's that's true and, that's, and there's a reason for that i should I, know where this is going that's i don't really right. listen to a whole lot of music <laughs> i don't i just don't i it is i when i'm in the car i'm either listening to talk radio which is a little few and far between these days uh yeah. I, I i i prefer local talk radio sure. um but 
there's less and less of that, it feels like. So I I tend to go to the podcast these days, and it's a little more difficult since I drive a bit of a beater. And so I kind of have to like prop my phone up in a weird way in order to like listen to the podcast. I can't like hook it up to my speakers or anything. And so it's a little odd, but I am more of a podcast slash talk radio guy. That that's me. I the only time I put music on is when I have somebody else in the car with me. Yeah, I forgot about the fact that every time I've ever mentioned a music lyric to you, you just give me a blank stare. Like what? The old fifty-one fifty when we were doing a game. I, I said the score of the game the score of the game was fifty-one fifty. And I said, just like Van Halen, and it just went right yeah. over Vince's head. Chuck Freebie pretty much on a monthly <laughs> basis right. will uh, you know remind me that I have no idea what that means. That's right. Uh, Father David Penny says podcast for walking mm. sports radio. Interesting. Driving. Yeah. And for I agree. me, for me, it's like when I'm with other people, it's typically music. Right. Because like if I try to play a podcast or something, when other people are in the car, it's like they either want to talk about what, you know, what is this podcast? Who is this? And, you know, then I'm missing everything that it's, that's actually going on in the podcast. So when I'm with other people, it's typically music of some kind. Um, you know, my daughter likes to sing along to the music and all that stuff, you know, so we do you know, do that driving down the road. When I'm by myself, it's typically podcasts because, you know, like as much as I like music, I have found that especially when I'm driving, if I'm listening to other people talk, like it kind of, it, it lowers, you know, my heart rate and my, my blood pressure and all those <laughs> things. It's like, I'm, it's like, I'm kind of zenning, you know, in a conversation and that kind of stuff. So that's that's kind of where I go. You know, With other people music by myself, typically the podcast or sport. You know, sports talk radio, yeah, right. like you said. But even even like a lot of the sports talk radio I listen to will be you know sort of aftermarket in the podcast form. You know, where it's easy to find and all that kind of stuff. And that you know, it's funny that you mentioned that because I am a talker. I'm, surprise, surprise. And so when somebody else is in the car, I enjoy having a conversation with whoever that happens to be. But I drive a ton by myself. And so I enjoy, I, I guess I essentially start talking and yelling at the podcast or at the sports talk radio. That's really what ends up happening. And so right. I'll, I'll, be, I'll be mowing the lawn, for example, and I'll be listening to a podcast and somebody will say something stupid. And I'll start yelling, what are you talking about? This is ridiculous. And I probably look like a psychopath as I'm mowing the lawn, you know, that kind of a thing. I, it, 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 it engages me like a podcast engages me and it makes the time go by a little bit faster, which is I can't I cannot cut the grass without some sort of a podcast in my ear because then I and then my mind starts to wander and things get a little crazy and it's just not good. I need to be focused on something. For sure. And that's for driving too. Like that helps me get through long drives, et cetera. So yeah, I, I'm all I agree. about podcasts. I agree. So if you happen to be listening to us, you know, while you're driving or walking or running or whatever it happens to be, glad that we're in your ears or in your car or or whatever it happens <laughs> to be. I'm yeah, you know, I'm the same way. You know, like since we moved a few years ago, I've got the riding mower, and and you know, I remember you used to say that you would listen while you do the riding mower, and I do the same now too. Because with one, we've yep. got a big yard, so there's no way I'm yeah I'm going like an hour, you know, <laughs> without listening to something. Exactly, and uh, yeah, so it's it's typically podcasts that I'm listening to. But let's get down to business today. We got some Notre Dame stuff to talk about. Notre Dame football, as always, and. <laughs> I've got to throw this one up there just just before we get going. 
That's, I've been in training for a long good old, time. Good old Salty, as always. Vince is in training for old man syndrome. Yeah, Vince and me both. So. <laughs> I, I think we've been in training for that for years. <laughs> that's right. I think I don't, I, when – when we were out in Omaha, I can't remember if I told you this, but Jesse, my son, was with me, and it was me and Pete LaFleur, the former Notre Dame baseball Sluggo. SID, who runs yep, old Sluggo, for people who know Sluggo. But uh, basically, Jesse spent the whole weekend teasing us about which one of us is more like George Costanza. So that was <laughs> kind of... <laughs> yep. Yeah. At least, at least you get that reference. So, oh, of course, I love I, I, TV references. I'm I'm gonna get most of the time. I, I do enjoy my, yeah. my, my boob tube. There's no doubt about yeah. that. But yeah, it's it's uh, music is just not. It's, I I'm not good at it, man. My wife loves to watch like that beat Shazam, and then there's another show where they have to fill in the lyrics for I nothing. I got nothing on most of that stuff. I I can't come up with song titles. Or filling in the blanks of the it's, very challenged. Yeah, very challenged. Man, you're not kidding. All right, let's talk some Notre Dame football. Yes. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. We're going to rank... Notre Dame's offensive position groups. Because after, of course, the news, Jadarian Price is going to be out with injury. You know, I, I had an idea of, you know, kind of like what my confidence was. And that's what this is. Our confidence in these groups. The confidence picks, yeah. Order. That's right. So you've got your quarterbacks, your running backs, your wide receivers, tight ends, offensive line. We're going to start with the position group you have the least confidence. Ooh, going bottom up. Okay. And, and go to the top. And again... Like this last year, you know, I, I, you know, I, I kind of plotted this out, like how I felt about each group. So, you know, I thought, you know, you know, the running backs down to three healthy scholarship backs, you know, that that could essentially impact how we think about them. We've got 67 days to go until the start of the season. So I'm curious to see how similar we are, how similar, how dissimilar, I guess. So we'll go again from confident to most confidence. Last year, here's what my rankings were last year. I had the wide receivers at the bottom at number okay. five. Okay. Next was offensive line, just one notch yeah. ahead of the receivers in my Not, confidence yeah. ranking. Right. Yeah, I mean, they brought just one starter back, and of course, and turned out, you know, there were a lot of concerns about the offensive line. Quarterback was in the middle. You know, Jack Cone turned out to be pretty good. We saw some different things from both Tyler Buckner and Drew Pine. My number two group was the tight ends. And last year, the group that I was most confident in 
was the running backs. And again, how different is that going to be this year? So we will find okay. out. Okay. And again, I'm going to have Vince start us off. And we'll just kind of go back and forth as we go from five to one on this. So what is your, we've got five offensive position groups. What is your number five offensive position group you have the most confidence in right now with 67 days to go till the start of the season? Okay. I, I do want to preface this with the fact that I'm very confident in the offense in general. Like I, I, I have a lot of Me faith too. in the, the whole, the whole thing. So like, yeah. Putting somebody, questions. Put, yeah, put it put in a group at five is difficult because it's like, oh, well, am I am I the least confident in this group, or are they the most question marks? Like it, it just really depends on how you look at it. And I've actually changed my order since we started talking. Like that's how really? that's how kind of fluid this is for me. Okay, at least the 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 bottom three are the most fluid. So okay, um, I am gonna go number five because of what you just outlined in the injury situation. I am gonna put the running backs last. And okay. I and it's I still have a lot of faith in the running backs. I, I don't think you necessarily need more than three if they can stay healthy, but that's a giant if. And my that's where my confidence wanes is if they can stay that healthy. The one good thing is coming out of all of the one-on-one -on -one interviews with Marcus Freeman over the last couple of days. Um, he said he basically said Logan Diggs is probably going to be back in mid-September. That's what he's anticipating. So that helps big time as opposed yeah. to the mid October that we were kind of thinking about the last time we had this conversation. Right. So yeah. right. I, I, my confidence has gone up a little bit based on that projection. He's ahead of the schedule and all of that, but I still, when I'm looking at the rest of them, I like who they have, who's going to be running the football. I really like right. that a lot, but they rank fifth based on my confidence level on the rest of them, basically. I think that depth has to scare you. And I'll just chime in with, you know, where I have the running backs. Since you started off with the running backs, I've got them at number four. Okay. So uh, I've got a different group at number five. But, you know, for a lot of the reasons you're talking about, I did drop them down because of the injury to Jadarian Price. If he had still been there, they would have at least been yeah. a little bit higher on this list. But I had to drop them down to number four on my list. I mean, for starters, you obviously lose last year's leading rusher, you sure? Kyron Williams. You know, he's gone. And then now you've got the, the other two guys with injuries, even though, as you said, maybe Logan Diggs comes back a little bit sooner than we originally thought. So, you know, that's at least good. But, you know, there's still – there, there's a lot of talent in this group. But Chris Tyree has never been the lead guy before. He has never been – the lead back. And obviously, Audric Estime hasn't either. And, you know, Jabron Payne is an incoming freshman. So, you know, that's a big question, I think. You know, there's there's still talent, but obviously they lack depth. You know, we know Tyree is a breakaway threat and all that sure. stuff, but they're, they're just enough questions for me. Again, I've got them a little bit higher than you, but I've still got them down here at number four. You know, how is Tyree going to perform as the bell cow? back yeah. you know especially Absolutely. now that you know more responsibility on his shoulders and everything and, else and we talked about it a little bit yesterday you don't really want him to be the volume back like that's right. not who he not, is yeah you know and that's that's going to be the biggest question mark is okay are, are you going to put a pitch limit on Chris Tyree or are you going to try to make him your bell cow back and I think that that's only going to hurt him moving forward so you got to be smart about this you really do and I I have faith in the in the coaching staff, but it, you got to kind of thread that needle. And I think that's going to be the biggest question mark for the running backs. 
Yep. I see some people chiming in in the uh, YouTube chat right now talking about Vince's jersey. It is the old school pulmonary era Notre Dame baseball jersey. That's basically the style of jersey they wore in 2002 at the College World Series. Like you said, the shamrock on the sleeve and the whole thing. So, And that's basically when I got this, when I was in college, is when they went to the College World Series. And so I... This is about a 2000, 2001 purchase, I think. So yeah, that it's makes been around sense. the block a little bit. And guess what? There's still room to grow in here. Man. I'm feeling <laughs> real good about that. Well, well, you're lucky because you know a lot of other people in 20 years would have grown right through it. You know, exactly. onto a couple more sizes. So. so was I fat back then and I just haven't gotten fatter? That's really the question mark here. <laughs> but, I'm right. just, you know. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Okay. So you had... Running backs at number five. I've got them at number four. My number five is going to be, for a second straight year, the wide receivers. I put them at the bottom of the list. You know, of course, what's interesting, they lose their top target for a second straight year. You know, so they're left with a, a mix of, you know, some experience, some inexperience, some key injured guys, you know, both Wilkins and Avery Davis. We saw Lorenzo Styles kind of have his breakout in the Fiesta Bowl, but now is he ready to be the main guy? Again, you know, there's a lot of there's there's some talent there, but there are just enough questions. Sure. And the wide receivers, like when you look at the last few years, they've had guys step up, new guys in new roles. Equinemius St. Brown in 2016 and 2017 is the last Irish wide receiver to be the team's leading wide receiver in consecutive seasons, you know? So it's like, again, it's, you know, like, like you have a guy step up, has a pretty good year, end up getting drafted, whatever it happens to be, move on. So there's, you know, there's been constant turnover and we all know about the numbers and everything else. You know, you're counting on Avery Davis to come back fully healthy. Joe Wilkins, it sounds like with his list, Frank is going to take long, you know, like we were just talking about Logan Diggs, maybe comes back quicker. Joe Wilkins, it sounds like is going to take longer with his list, Frank, his foot injury. So, you know, Chancey Stuckey's got his work cut out yep. for him. And we're, we're going to see what this group is about. Again, I, th- we know that there's some talent there. But again, you know, numbers are not what you want them to be, right. obviously. And you've got key guys, especially like Avery Davis, after what he showed early last year with that, you know, coming back from his ACL. So there, there are just enough questions and, and obviously a lot of turnover and the numbers aren't great. So that's why I have them at number five. Well, and and I, so I'll piggyback off of what you did. I have the wide receivers at number four. So not yeah. a, a whole lot different there. I had a feeling when you had running backs of five receivers would be your next group. Yeah, and and again, it has nothing to do with the top end talent. Again, it's it's a it's a depth issue. And if they can stay healthy, that's a great rotation of receivers. I mean, it, it really is. And I and I think that Tommy Reese and Chancey Stuckey. They're going to use these wide receivers in a myriad of ways. I, I think that they're going to think outside the box. We're going to see young guys on the field that we haven't really seen in the past. So I like the makeup of the wide receiver room. The issue is they have seven, I want to say seven scholarship receivers. They should have 10. And that's an issue, right? And so that's where I'm at putting them at four from a confidence standpoint. I think the top end talent is great. I, I think they're going to do a lot of really good things. Yeah. It's a depth issue, and if I have to split hairs, and you know, and for a confidence ranking, you do. So I've got them at four. All right. 
Jeremy says Tobias, of course he's talking about Tobias, Merriweather is going to surprise us See, this year. And I don't think it's going to be a huge surprise. I think he's really good. And I think he's going to get on the field. He's going to be there's going to be things. opportunity there. Yes. Yeah, that's I, right. So so I agree with Jeremy that Tobias Merriweather is going to play and he's going to be really good. I don't it's not going to surprise me. Like that doesn't that 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 doesn't qualify in the surprise category unless all of a sudden he's the number one target. That might surprise me a little bit. All right, so those are our fives and fours. We've just got them flip-flopped. Running backs and wide receivers are our two bottom groups. I, I'm going to guess we're going to be the same. I think this. we might be too. That's, that's my guess. What's your what's your number three position group? So, again, these are confidence picks, and I'm very right. confident in what we're going to see from the quarterback position. And so they are my number three. And I shouldn't – well, yeah, I'll say they because – I'm very confident what Tyler. One. Yeah, I, I'm very <laughs> confident what Tyler Butner can do, and I think he's going to actually steal something from Jeremy. I think he's going to surprise a lot of people in a good way. I, I think that there's a lot of people that are so tied into recruiting that they've almost forgotten about Tyler Butner. They're worried about Dante Moore. They're worried about C.J. Carr. You know all these different things. You got a really good quarterback that's about to take his first official starter snaps here on September 3rd. I think he's going to do some really good things and. I have a lot of confidence in him. I think Drew Pine is a top-rated number two. I think that's a great spot for him. Yeah. I have I have confidence that if he has to come in at the last second, he's going to be prepared like a starter. He's going to do really good things. And frankly, Steve Angeli has done, from what the little bit that I saw in the spring, as a true freshman, he's doing more than I thought he would up to this point as well. So that room... I have a lot of confidence in that room uh, with Tyler Buckner leading the way. I think he's going to have a great year. Did you see that video of uh, Drew Pine at the Manning Academy the other day dropping no. that deep dime? No, that he I threw? didn't. Looked pretty good. Okay. good. I like it. Yeah. I mean, you got to like it. You know, Buckner's a great athlete, and we got to see a lot of that last year. But And we saw some good things from him in the spring. We But we do still kind of have to see – we. You know, we didn't get to see him in the blue-gold game. And I think we talked about it afterwards. I think that there is good and bad in that. I mean, as much as you would like to see him in action in a live situation, you know, for the rest of us to get a full evaluation, I think from a team perspective, there's nothing wrong with Tyler Buckner not playing in that game. Don't give Ohio State or anybody else, you know, any real glimpse of, of what that offense is actually going to look like with him. So, you know, from that aspect, it's like, okay, you can handle that. But – We've still got to see it. You know, we saw yeah, all the predetermined absolutely. runs and, you know, all that stuff last year. We've got to see it in a real game now. How is he actually going to make reads? You know, like sure. you know, just basic stuff when he comes to the line of scrimmage. And then obviously when he drops back live during the play, play and, you know, is he going to be more accurate when everybody knows that he's going to throw? Like, you know, that's what he wasn't able to do at Virginia Tech. Now, again, small doses last year. And we saw enough that there was, you know, some upside that we saw from him in some of the live settings that we did get to see in the spring, but you got to go out and prove it on Saturday. Absolutely. I know there's a big difference. So. Well, there's a ton of pressure on him. Let's be honest. Yeah. He's, he's the starting quarterback at the university of Notre Dame, or at least we assume he's going to be the starter. Right. And there, there, that comes with a ton of pressure. And then, Oh, by the way, you get to open up in the horseshoe in Columbus, you know, that's, that's a, exactly. that's a tall task. Okay. And, and yep. I'm not saying he's going to go out and win the Heisman trophy in game one. I don't, I'm not saying that in any way, shape or form. But I felt like what they asked him to do last year, he did well. And in practice, at least the practices we were able to see and the information that we were getting, 
he wasn't getting number two reps to run the offense. You know what I mean? And so yeah. when they brought him in and they're asking him to drop back and throw and all that, it's not, it's not what they practice, you know? And football's a game of practice. And that is, I, I, I feel like they put him in a position to not be successful at times last year because they were panicked or somebody was hurt or whatever the case was. Now he's going and he's getting the number one reps. He's He's got the full playbook. And yeah. I think you're going to see a different Tyler Buckner. He's not just a run first guy. That's not who he is. You don't accidentally throw for over 4,000 yards as a junior in high school. That, that doesn't just accidentally happen. That's very true. You know, now. Especially when you consider the number of high school games that you have. So. Sure. And look, where he went to high school as a junior is not Notre Dame. I am not in any way debating that. But he can throw the football. And yeah. I think people are going to be surprised in a good way. Yep. Now, I went back and forth on these last two position groups. And what we have left, obviously, are offensive line and tight ends so i'm really curious to see <laughs> which one you have at number two and where that leaves us for number one so i'm just like you obviously but you know i think i said my quarterbacks are are number three so sure. what's what's the what's the group you have the second most confidence in right this now? is tough for me and i i feel like i could flip-flop them and come up with a great argument for either one to be honest with you the reason I did what I did, and I have tight ends number one, I have offensive line number two. The re that the reason being is you've got one guy, one and a half, two guys that make up the tight ends that are going to be on the field. So you only yep. you only need to have an all American season really from one guy for that position group to be. <laughs> there's really fewer good. people you have to actually yeah. have confidence in. That that's what I'm saying. And look, there's a preseason all American on the offensive line, and there's a preseason all American at tight end. You only need one tight end. You need five yeah. on the offensive line. Now, I think the offensive line is going to be excellent. I have a ton of faith in the offensive line. But just because of the numbers game, I went with tight end because it's a known commodity. I know what I'm going to get from Michael Mayer. He's going to be the arguably the best tight end in the country. And he, he's going to be – he could be the number one target, you know, through the air. He could be a great blocker. There's a million things you can do with him. I have a lot of faith in him. I have a ton of faith in the offensive line. So, again, we're splitting hairs, but I only need one guy to show up and show out for the tight end group to be really, really good. I need yeah. more from the offensive line. So that's why I had it the way I did. See, and that's kind of, you know, my initial thinking mm -hmm. on this, because I, I've got mine the exact same way do, you do. I've got offensive line second, tight ends first. And my initial thinking was, well, it's only, you know, there's really only one tight end. You know, there's some right. other – good ones there you know and you know mix of guys with some injuries and again unproven in that kind of thing but i mean we're literally talking about the guy who should be the best tight end of the country yes. projected as a first round draft pick you know and who probably should have won the mackey last year but really uh, didn't even yeah. get recognized by the mackey which is just ridiculous insane yeah so i mean that's who you've got leading that group and so i i agree with everything that you said now you know, there, there are obviously questions with the offensive line, but it's night and day different this year compared to last year. Last right. year you had Jarrett mm -hmm. Patterson as your only, you know, returning starter, and now you've got virtually everybody back. Plus now you've got, you know, Patterson is out for the spring, and Zeke Carell played so good that, yeah. you know, maybe he's going to take over that center. Now Patterson is going to be a guard, and, you know, you obviously have Alton Fisher on the yeah. outside, and, and that gives you depth as well depending on, you know, who Patterson potentially bumps out of one of the guard spots. Is it going to be Lug, you know, moving in, or is it going to be Christoffic who took over and, and played pretty well 
himself down the stretch. And then, oh, by the way, Harry Heastand is yeah. back. And, and that, exactly. that to me is why I have so much confidence in this group, even more so than if there were starters. And I've heard some people say, well, you know, with, with the experience they got last year, they should have been, they, they were going to be better this year anyway. What Maybe that's true, but like. To a know, degree. We, yeah. Like we've talked about this with, you know, Link Jarrett, all the intention that he coaches with and, you know, mm-hmm. the, the purpose, you know, it's, it's like, you're not just taking a cut. You're taking a cut with a purpose. And that's how Harry Heastan teaches as well. You know, like the things right. we've heard about with Jeff Quinn, it's like, well, it doesn't matter how you get from point A to point B, just get there. Well, that didn't necessarily work that well very often. With Harry Heastan, it's like, okay, we're going to start at point A, and along the way to point B, we're going to do this, this, and this precisely right. And if you don't do this, this, and this precisely right, we're going back to point A until you get this, this, and this right to get yes. us to point B. There is so much intention, so much attention to detail in Harry Heastan's teaching, and that to me is is you know a big part of what makes him such a great offensive line coach. It's all about the details. I mean, it yeah. is with him. I mean, you're talking fundamentals, you're talking steps, you're talking hand push, you know, all of these different things that you want your offensive line to be so good at that they've just been lacking over the last few years. And it, it all boils down to the fundamentals. That's where you're going to see the difference. You're going to see drive. You're going to see the the proper, you know, uh, first steps, stances and starts. All those things that we do right. with 14 year old kids coming in to high school, they weren't good at. I mean, they just yeah. weren't good at, and they're going to be good at that with Harry Heastand at the helm. And so you combine that with the fact that all these guys are coming back with experience, et cetera, with a great coach. They're they're going to be great. I mean, I I have full faith that they're going to be really, really, really good. It's it's just inexcusable that as talented and as big as these guys are on that offensive line, that they were not any better run blocking, you know, than they were Absolutely. last year. Typically, it's, you know, if you're going to be better at one than the other, typically it's run blocking that you're going to be better at because it's like, you know, come out of your stance, drive a guy backwards. But, you know, it was the complete opposite with these guys. They were decent at t- you know they got better once right. the, the pieces started to fall into place and you know j- you know they kind of changed the mode of operation with cone and you know that kind of stuff that you know they they were able to kind of disguise some things you're not going to have to disguise things exactly with, with that harry he they got better despite the offensive line to be honest with you i mean look you're not going to stand back there and throw the ball 70 times in a bowl game if you have any kind of confidence that you can run the football I mean, yeah. that's that's the bottom line. And so they were doing things to disguise it, and they did a good job of that, frankly. And that, that's yeah. a lot of credit to Tommy Reese for figuring out, okay, this is my weakness. How do we kind of overcome this weakness? Uh, we throw the ball a lot. I mean, and it's quick, you know, quick stuff. It's not it's not Jack Cohn just sitting in the pocket waiting to get sacked. It's boom, 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 <laughs> get the ball out, et cetera. They did a lot of the other stuff at the beginning of the season. It didn't work out very well, right? And so – uh, he adapted, and they did a good job. You're not going to see that offense, at least I don't believe so. The offense that we saw against Oklahoma State is not going to be the offense that gets trotted out on September 3rd. So yeah. it's going to be different. It's going to be a lot different because you've got a completely different quarterback and you've got an offensive line that you can trust and count on. Yep. Completely agree with all that. So really, the only thing we were off on was four and five. You had the, uh, you know, again, our, our confidence rankings for these groups, you had running backs at number five, receivers at number four, quarterbacks at number three, 
Um, offensive line at number two, tight ends at number one. I was exactly the same with the exception. Again, we had four and five turned around. I had receivers at five, running backs at four. So that was our only difference. So we were pretty close, pretty close. Yeah, no, I and I, I'm not overly surprised. I mean, we see the game pretty similarly. Um, but again, I think we're both – I think maybe I'm a little bit more confident in what the offense is going to put together maybe than you are, but we're both very confident in what the offense is going to do. There's a lot well, of talent there. I'm confident they can put it together. Again, it's just the depth, especially at the you know at at uh, wide receiver and and now running back. That's what scares me the most. I, I still yeah. think that they can figure some things out, and they do have some. You know, beyond Michael Mayer, they have a lot of promise in that tight end group. So you know, I absolutely. I, I still think that. They're probably going to be, you know, because of these other, you know, there's, there's going to be some packages that are, they're going to, you know, kind of let us see, you know, some of that, that 12 type stuff out sure. there, you know, and maybe even more you know, than, than what we've seen before. Tommy Reese is going to come up with something offensively that is going to be suited, you know, to the personnel he has available, uh, you know, one going into the season, but on any given day, I think as well. He is he's really good at being able to mix and match and come up with that kind of stuff. As as we saw, you know, really the last what two, three years now, the way he's yeah. he's changed things around. Sure. And I, and again, it's gonna be fun to see. I mean, we saw kind of the offense evolve, obviously, like I talked about earlier, but now he's had an entire offseason to just kind of lock himself in a room and kind of figure this thing out and how they're gonna be the most yeah. explosive offense possible. And I think it's going to be a lot of fun to watch, frankly. It, it, this this could very well be Tommy Reese's coming out party as an offensive play caller. Yep, I think so too. All right, well, that's going to wrap up that part. Let's do some rapid fire. I love rapid fire, baby. Let's go. <laughs> plenty of topics, plenty of topics. We today. need to get some music, man, for our rapid fire. That's the next I know. on the list. Well, you know, we used to have, you know, some music on my old show that we really liked, but because of, you know, like copyright issues, copyrights and all that stuff, you have to pay money if you start using copyrighted stuff. That is true. There, there's some music in here that I think we need to play with uh, at some point. And obviously not going to try it live, but there's some stuff in right. here under, under brand. We might not be able to have some fun with that. Just okay. Saying. All right. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. Let's anyway, let's have some fun here. All right. That'll juice it up. Juice up yeah. your rapid fire a little That's bit. Right. So I've seen this question kind of pop up from time to time recently in the wake of both Marcus Freeman being hired at Notre Dame and the Notre Dame baseball team going to the College World Series. I guess the question is do you believe that success and one, you know, and kind of good vibes by one team on campus? Like other teams are able to feed off that and it gives other teams positive momentum. How much do you buy into that kind of thing? I buy into it to a degree. I, I, I will say that there is a little bit of that. I, I thought that it was really cool. Um, for example, and I, I've told this story where on one of the other shows is that I happened to be at a Notre Dame football camp when Notre Dame beat uh, Tennessee in the third game to you go talked to the about crowd. it here. You yeah. talked about it. Here okay, too, so. there you go. Yeah, yeah. so yeah, we I get them get them all confused. But yeah, uh, but I'm sure. but uh, the the Notre Dame staff, the football staff, when that double play was made to send Notre Dame to the College World Series, they all went bonkers. Like they were super excited about Notre Dame going to the College World Series. And I, you know, you saw a, a lot of the tweets, uh, for example, from Neil Ivy. She was congratulating the baseball team and. I've seen vice versa when when other teams do well. I think it does feed off each other. And let's be honest, I know football is king, and so many of Notre Dame's sports 
plan their recruiting around football, right? Oh, absolutely. And, and they yeah. bring they bring these student athletes on campus and they go to a football game and they're there for the atmosphere that that you know envelops the whole campus during a football game. When the football team is better, that's better for everybody. That definitely helps. You know that's, what I mean? See, now that aspect I completely buy into. Like when when Notre Dame football is good. It benefits everyone else on campus because they're just, you know, everyone's feeling good from yeah, the top absolutely. on down, you know. Yep. And uh, obviously since 2017, it's, you know, that's been pretty good. I just don't know. You know, and again, like the whole sort of esprit de corps, you know, I get that. You know, the stuff that you're talking about, how the, you know, Marcus Freeman and the football guys at the camp, they were all fired up when, when Notre Dame beat Tennessee down in Knoxville and all that stuff. I get that they get excited about it. I just, you know, like women's basketball successful for year after year after year. Like, did that help the other <laughs> programs on campus get better? You know, like baseball didn't get better when women's basketball was great, you know, and sure, no, I get that. up and down for men's basketball. So like I completely buy into there's, there's definitely, you know, like a lot of sort of mutual respect and, and, they all support each other and all that kind of stuff. I just don't know that it necessarily translates into, you know, because basketball is good, baseball is going to be sure. good, or because softball is good, you know, soccer is good, you know, that that kind of stuff. You know, like, because I guess, you know, like if we really buy into this, you know, Lane Kiffin was was in Omaha, you know, quite a bit, you know, like is are, are we buying that Ole Miss football is going to contend for a national Look championship out. now because baseball Look out, baby. <laughs> Look so, at well, he's in the cluster of states that win the national titles. So that's that's that it. Helps. That he helps. Is. He's in that footprint. He's in that footprint. <laughs> I think there's I think there's some some kind of built-in competition though, too, like amongst the student yeah, athletes. I, like maybe it ups the bar a little bit. Yeah, exactly. Kind of and I, I I guess I see it at the high school level when when one team is really good, there is a competition. Like, okay, well, we're gonna up the ante or you know, whatever. And and I will also say that when you have a successful sports program which is more than one team or even one team for that matter. It, I mean, school spirit is up. Like it, it, it's, it, it definitely is infectious. I don't know that it translates necessarily into straight up wins and losses, but I think that there's some, look, athletes are competitive, man, and they right. want to win. And when another team is winning and they're getting the publicity, it's like, you know what we're doing, we're going to go do some good things over here too. Raise so, it up a little bit. Yeah. Like I said, it's a little bit there. I mean, it, it's a little bit beneficial, but I wouldn't say that it, you know, Lane Kiffin's going to win a national title. Okay, <laughs> see, so there, there see, you go. That's as soon as I brought up Lane yeah. Kiffin, that's when your whole story changed. Yeah. <laughs> <That's>... <laughs> hey, Lane, Lane is entertaining. I will I'm say that. I'm just here for the Lane Kiffin tweets. I mean, that's <laughs> really, it's really all it's all it's about, you know. So, okay, fill in the blank. It's blank that Ohio State quarterback C.J. Stroud is the Las Vegas betting favorite to win the Heisman Trophy but he was not named either a first or second team Walter Camp preseason All-American. You know, that it, it's interesting. I, I will say that it's interesting because, look, the Heisman Trophy generally goes to the best player on the best team, right? So my guess is the odds makers are saying that Ohio State's going to be pretty darn good this year as far as from a team standpoint. Yeah. And who's the best player on the team? That's going to be the quarterback. I mean, he he had a pretty darn good season last year. You assume he's going to get better this year. So that's not a stretch. And I could make the same argument 
for Bryce Young, who who was the first team uh, selection, I believe, right. in the preseason, right? So he was. I could make that argument for him, and that, but uh, but then the second team selection, Caleb Williams. I don't see USC having a national championship type season. There is just so much. There is just so much hype and unwarranted love. Yes, for everything going on out there right now. Correct, Lincoln Riley to USC, you know, like if you just look at the numbers last year alone, I mean, you can see why Bryce Young won the Heisman for one thing, 47 touchdowns and just seven interceptions. But, you know, uh, C.J. Stroud had himself a pretty good year as well with 44 touchdowns and six interceptions. So, And, you know, it's like Caleb Williams had a nice year. Completion percentage wasn't even in the ballpark compared to those other two. Maybe, a, you know, a little bit closer to young Stroud completed 72% of his passes and over 4,400 yards last year. You know, I'm not on the, like the CJ Stroud, Stroud love train by any means, especially since that's who Notre Dame has to play. Right. Yeah, in the exactly. First game. He obviously had some good, re- really good receivers as well. You know, it does help when you've got NFL talent around you and, you know, maybe that plays into it, you know, after the pit transfer out to USC and all that stuff as well. But I just, you know, I, I think there's probably something to what you're saying, you know, because it, it does tend to be the Heisman trophy goes to the be, you know, the best player on the best team and that kind of stuff. And and Ohio State is definitely expected to be, you know, in that picture. But again, why there is so much hype for Caleb Williams and for Lincoln Riley when they have done nothing so far. Exactly. You know, they they still have like there hasn't, you know, again, we're talking about this year, but there hasn't really been a noticeable uptick in recruiting. The both lines still have, you know, there it is, huge questions. So it's, you know, USC has always had some nice skill talent, but it's like things that actually win you football games. Like, what are you doing down in the trenches? That's what's held them back, and that's still a question right now. So right. I have, a, I have a problem putting Caleb Williams up there. Oh, you know, huge a, problem with a, that ahead of Stroud. Yeah, huge problem with that, and I. I just feel like the odds makers are ba- again they're they're basically saying Ohio State has a chance to be undefeated and I don't think that that's a huge stretch. They don't even go on the road until October 8th. They're home. That's crazy. Right? They got Notre Dame at home, Arkansas State, Toledo, Wisconsin, Rutgers all at home. Wow. And then they they go on the road to Michigan State, okay, October 8th, then they're back home again against Iowa. Then they have two on the road, Penn State and Northwestern, home with Indiana, on the road with Maryland, and then home against Michigan. That is not a ter- – I mean, that's not a great schedule, in my opinion. And right. I mean, the, the non-conference is weak at best. I mean, we, Notre Dame obviously is not is their big non-conference game, and I get that. Their other two non-conference games are Arkansas State and Toledo. And – you know, their part of the Big Ten is not fantastic. And yeah. I don't think any of us would make the argument that Michigan is going to be what they were last year. Right. And that game is going to be in Columbus. So if I'm an odds maker, they got a good shot of going undefeated, right? I mean, they're a 14-point favorite against Notre Dame. And the rest of their schedule is not in any way daunting to me. So they got a great shot of going undefeated. And again, best player on the best team, I have no problem with them having – Stroud as the as the Heisman Trophy favorite. Yeah, I completely agree with that. All right, Mr. Baseball Coach. There is a baseball term I heard when I was out at the College World Series last week that, you know, I used to coach baseball as well, and I've been yep. around baseball for a long time. I had never heard this term previously. 
the term backside home runs. So your coach, have you ever heard that term used before? Never, not once. Um, we, at the high school level, we're worried about very fundamental things. <laughs> yes, that's right. And we are certainly not making up terminology. Being to down- hip with backside home runs, that's not one yeah. of them, right? No, that is not something that we're uh, we're really going after. Uh, I so you know you you sent me these questions earlier today, and I had no idea what that was, and I I, I even went tried, I tried to, and there's not even a whole lot of information when you Google. To be honest with you, I think I figured it out. Uh, it's the opposite of pulling the ball. It's going the other way, right? right. So, it's basically an opposite field home yeah, run. Right, right. Which and has always been referred to as an opposite, opposite field, field home, home run. run. Exactly. But all of a sudden, this chic Vogue backside home runs, you know, you know, I just, I, again, I had never heard it before. And you and I, you know, we're, we're big baseball fans, yeah. been around baseball, the whole thing. My son, who played small college baseball, he had never heard it before, you know, so it's like, where did this come from? You know, where did this come from? You know, but, you know, I I guess you remember, you know, the term now walk off, you know, that's been around for a while, but like looking at your Irish baseball Jersey, I remember, you know, back in, it was like, Oh, one, Oh, two, that term was really just starting to kind of come into vogue. Really? The whole walk off thing. Yeah. Because then I remember a guy hit, a walk-off home run or a game-ending home run. It was a grand slam, actually. And someone said, oh, did you call it a walk-off? And I was like, no, I didn't call it a walk. You know, <laughs> But, you know, like now, that is common usage. Back then, 20 or so years ago, it was just starting to come into terms. So I wonder if 20 years from now, we're all going to be, you know, using the term backside home runs. It's just, I don't know, man. Like, I, th- I hear backside home I. I think of like football going to the backside, and then I think of like your butt. Like, I don't, that's nothing to do. I, I don't know. Again, maybe it'll get into the lexicon of coaching and all of that, but uh, you know, taking the ball the other way, like that, to yeah. me, that makes Opposite more sense field. from a visual standpoint. Oh, I'm taking it the other way. I'm going away yeah. from where I'm at at the plate. You know, I, I just, I don't know. I don't know. Abo taco. Yes. Thank you. I, yeah. I don't like it. I don't like it. I feel like it's unnecessary. I feel like someone was searching for, you know, something new to call this, and they came up with backside home runs. Because right. I've never even heard to, you know, I've never even heard, like, the opposite field referred to as backside. Oh, let's Me neither. backside, you know. I've never that heard kind of that. Of maybe maybe some other baseball guys out there have heard this, and, you know, we were missing out. But it's possible. first time I'd ever heard it. First time I'd ever heard it. So... Okay, Notre Dame's a 14-point underdog to Ohio State to open up the season. So, here is a question of questions. And I'll probably have to, you know, use this maybe as like our question of the week. I'll ask Jesse tomorrow and Bobby on Thursday as well. So, Notre Dame's a 14-point underdog to Ohio State. Here's the question. Mm -hmm. Would a 14-plus point loss in that season opener feel worse with Marcus Freeman as the head coach? Or if Brian Kelly was the head coach, which would feel worse losing by 14 Freeman or if it was still Brian Kelly, it would be Marcus Freeman because there's hope that Notre Dame is going to get inside that 14 and possibly win the game. 
if Brian Kelly was the coach, you're going into the game knowing you're going to get blown out, knowing you're going to lose. <laughs> so your hope was never so there's, that high to begin with. Right. You can't be disappointed if you have no hope, right? And so that – and I know that sounds crazy, but – and Brian has brought this up a million times, and he knows the records better than I do, but Brian Kelly versus top ten teams or top five teams, it's terrible. Like the, the right. record is awful. So you're – I would have no faith or conviction that Notre Dame was going to go into Columbus and win that game. And so I wouldn't even be disappointed. It would just be, well, this is another top five yeah. loss. I, I mean, I, you know. Hearing you explain it like that, I mean, you know, like you do go in with a different set of expectations. And I guess that's why I was kind of looking at it the opposite of that. Because if they lose by two plus touchdowns with Marcus Freeman, you know, they're, you know, it, it, it definitely takes some of the shine, you know, the sure. shine oh, of yeah. the newness of Freeman and all that, especially when you combine it, you know, the, with the loss in the Fiesta Bowl. But you've still got this new, popular, young coach. You know, he's said and done all the right things, all that yeah. kind of thing. At the end of the day, if he loses a game to a team like that to Ohio State by two touchdowns, you know, it's definitely a big downer, but it's still just one game and there's right. you know, still a whole lot out in front of you. And, you know, you can write it off to, well, hostile environment all these different sure. things you know first time starting quarterback and all you can explain a lot of that away That's as right. a first time head coach whereas right. if brian kelly was the coach can't really explain that away because he's been in these environments and he is not like going down to miami in 2017 like that was a disaster right, right. i mean there, there's just been a lot of issues with environment and things of that nature in the past when they're going to play a top team yeah you know, but again, then if it's Brian Kelly, it's not game two. It's like 130 games right. and counting. And then, like you said, the track record that he has, and it's definitely a here we go again type situation yes. in year 13 for Brian Kelly. So that's like, to me, that would be worse because it's almost like a hopeless feeling. Whereas, yeah, hopeless with, with Mark. Yeah, hopeless. <laughs> yes. I, I slurred my word. There. No, you Who said is? hopeless. I, okay. I was just, I was just uh, emphasizing yes. the hopeless. There's no hope. Like, you know, right. You know, there we go. So that's why I thought it would be worse with Brian Kelly because at least with Marcus Freeman, even if all that stuff happens, you're still, sure. you know, early in his tenure and a lot of different things can happen from that point so. I, I i could see i could see that line of thinking for sure you had a question that we never got to last week i want to say and it was would you rather lose to ohio state or i'm gonna lose? save that one I'm oh, gonna save okay that one all right because I, I could work that in but we'll that's cool you yeah should, you go ahead and, and i realized that. after the show yesterday that i forgot it and i was like <laughs> ah, you know what i'm gonna save that one okay for all right wednesday fair so, enough yeah, fair enough that, we'll we'll hit that i don't want to give it away but you know, long tease that'll be on tomorrow's show. <laughs> Sounds anyway. good. Sounds good. All right. We've still got some time here. Okay. So kind of on the uh on the subject of point spreads, I went uh, through yes. and I went to <clears throat> FanDuel Sportsbook. I pulled out my handy dandy FanDuel Sportsbook app. And they've got a lot of different college football lines for the season. You know, not just like week one, week two, but right. into the season. I found I found some double digit spread games and i thought let's look at these double digit spread games and see kind of way you know which way we would be picking right now okay on them. they're obviously these lines you know like you're going to hear some late september and october games and stuff like that on this list but you know so a lot of those will probably change by the time sure those games roll we can around. have some fun with this yeah though. but if you want to lay it right <laughs> now you know i think that's kind of the fun it's like you could get potentially pretty good odds right now because you know 
nobody really knows what a lot of these teams are going to be. So yeah, exactly. This will be fun. Yeah. Nebraska <laughs> opens up minus 11 and a half, August 27th at Northwestern. So you've got Nebraska favored yep. by 11 and a half at Northwestern to open the season. What do you think about that one? Well, you've got a Nebraska team that I, I'm going to go ahead and assume that their head coach is on the super hot seat right now. Would have to think so. Would have to be, right? And for that reason, I'm taking Northwestern in the points because I have zero faith in Nebraska right now. They, they have not. And I, and I actually liked the hire of Frost when he came into Nebraska. I actually liked that hire. But he hasn't really done anything since he's been there. So... You've got one coach on the hot seat. You've got one coach who's already probably picked out a burial plot on Northwestern's <laughs> campus. So I will take Northwestern and the points. It's a Northwestern home game. So you got that going for you. I'll take 11 and a half points in August. No yeah, problem. I like that as well, just because Scott Frost and Nebraska have not proven they can win. And they typically, you know, like last year, they lost a lot of close games, but they were losses. To have them go on the road to open the season – yeah, at Northwestern, I, I just I, I I I find it hard to have faith in that eleven and a half. So I'm right. with you. I'm I'm going to take Northwestern with that one all all day. Nice so, all day. So what about that Ohio State Notre Dame game? Minus fourteen, the Buckeyes. See, this one's hard for me because I, you know I'm straddling that line between fan and analyst, right? And no matter how much I try to just put the analyst hat on and leave the fan hat to the side, I still like Notre Dame plus the 14. I feel like Ohio State's going to score, but I feel like Notre Dame's going to put points on the board too. It could very well be a shootout. It could be a high-scoring game. I'm not sure what the over-under is, but I would probably take the over if I'm being honest right now. But I have a lot more faith in Notre Dame's defense than I do in Ohio State's defense as well. So I'm taking Notre Dame and the points. Yeah, I am too. I like the fact that it's a season opener, even if it's on the road. I just, I, I like Notre Dame being able to, you know, basically to at, at the very least stay within a couple of touchdowns. You know, young, inexperienced quarterback and all that stuff or not because of the defense that you mentioned there. Yep. You know, the big test is obviously going to be Stroud and those NFL caliber receivers, you know, against Notre Dame's secondary. What's that going to look like? Is Notre Dame going to be able to slow that down. But I like, I, I, I do think that, that Notre Dame is going to be able to score some points in this game. And the fact that it's a season opener, I think that that bodes very well also. So I, I like Notre Dame plus the 14. All right. We're on, we're on the same track here. How about Georgia minus 17 that same day against. I feel like this one's almost a sucker bet. I, I don't, I look at this and I think to myself, how do you not take Oregon and the points? I, I don't understand how Georgia is that they're not exactly an offensive powerhouse. And so that worries me um, a lot, to be honest with you. So I, I really like, uh, I really like Oregon here plus the points because I don't think Georgia is going to score that many points. I just don't see that being the case. So Sean just got kicked out. And so I agree with him that I think it's probably best that we call this one a show. And so thank you everyone for joining us on this edition of the Irish, uh, the Irish IB Nation Sports Talk show. 
And we have some very interesting stuff coming up tomorrow. So make sure you tune in tomorrow at 6 o'clock. It's going to be Sean and it's going to be Jesse. And they are going to bring you some very interesting things. He already kind of teased the Ohio State-Clemson situation as well. So I will send us out. Make sure you hit that like button. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. Tell your friends about us. We'd really appreciate that. And always tune in Monday through Thursday, 6 o'clock. So this is Sean. Um, Vince and I had a little bit of technical difficulties at the end of our live podcast on YouTube. So you're only hearing this if you're listening to an audio version of the podcast. But uh, thanks for listening. We'll be back again tomorrow and hopefully no more technical glitches. So we will talk to you then on IB Nation Sports Talk.